Greetings, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Communication Guru Podcast, where we believe it is not always what you say, but how you say it that matters the most. I'm your host, Tim McMurtry, president and CEO of Tim McMurtry International LLC, a business consultancy specializing in personal development and training, government and public affairs, along with corporate and community relations. I'm delighted to have you join us and I thank you for your listenership and viewership of this show. As you know, our aim on this platform is to discuss nuances and insights relative to the communication continuum to help you maximize the impact and results of effective communication within your own various spheres of influence, be it your business, your relationships, and or your workplace. We're here to help you become a top-notch communicator. So be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified when new episodes are released and are available for consumption. Well, friends, as you know, the past 14 months have been perhaps the most tumultuous of our lifetimes, given the COVID-19 pandemic and its related extended health and safety protocols that have been associated with it. Thankfully, society at large is opening back up and we're able to move around a little bit more freely and really trying to apply those things that we learned during that crazy episode. And so what I really want to do today is talk about how people have been able to cope with all of that, what type of refuge or anchor they may have had to get them through those trying times because they were very, very uncertain. And I am super, super geeked <laughs> to be joined today by a couple of wonderful people. I'm talking about two of the greatest pastors that's walking the inhabitable parts of the earth. You hear what I'm saying? Now, they are senior pastors of World Outreach and Bible Training Center. And as great of pastors they are, and they truly are great, they're even greater people. And so they also have established other churches, their apostles, and have affiliate churches across the nation and the world. It's World Outreach and Bible Training Center, and they really outreaching to the whole wide world, too. As you will hear, they are authors, talk show hosts, international award-winning recording artists, and all-around rock stars. So with that, I introduce to some and present to others the dynamic, often imitated but never duplicated, my pastors, the apostles, Irvin Skip and Melva Henderson. Welcome to the show, you all. I'm super glad that you were able to join me today. Man. Look, Tim, thank you so much for letting us be a part. I will cash app you for that. Uh, <laughs> awesome. yeah. Uh, we got you, bro. We got you. Word up. That's good. Look it out. Hey, we're just going to have a good time. Just talk conversation style. Just really want to share with the listeners and the viewers just the impact from your perspective on what all of this has kind of been about. Want to kind of hear about your story and how you got started in ministry, how ministry flows and the good news of the gospel and how you spread that during these kinds of times. So to get us started, can you tell us a little bit more about the church that your pastor and others you may oversee? Tell us about the Bible Training Center and what's your ministerial philosophy? Ladies first. All right. Well, we are so privileged to have founded World Outreach in January of 2006. And it came as a result of us seeing this great need to get people trained and mobilized for 
what the Bible calls the Great Commission, and that's to get people into all the world to preach Christ to them. And so we saw that there were deficiencies in people's lives and wanted to be a solution to that deficiency. And so we didn't want people to just stop with the city that they lived in. We wanted them to understand that the gospel came to them because it was on its way to somebody else. And it was important for them to get out there, get the training that they needed and get out there. And that's kind of the premise under which World Outreach and Bible Training Center was founded. We started with seven people. And within a couple of months, we had over 200 people. Right. And it just kind of continued to grow from yeah, there. Yeah, continued to grow from there. And our motto is to win men, disciple, and sin, which means our desire is always to get people out into the call for their lives and get them trained for that. Because we understand that you can have something on the inside of you, but unless you're trained on how to execute it and execute it on a level that's sustainable, you'll be a great spark in a pan, but you'll never be a, an amazing finisher. So we want people to be amazing finishers in all that they do as well. Yeah, there's so many needs in the world, and we believe that God has positioned us to be solutions to some of those challenges that are in the world. And so we want to get people mobilized and get them where they're supposed to be. Awesome, awesome. Having started the ministry in 2006 and still going strong here in 2021, you obviously know what you're doing. And so <laughs> kudos to you for that. Sometimes we wonder. <laughs> we gonna touch on some of that a little bit later on in the show. <laughs> on that note, though, you guys were talking about how you're called to the calls, and you saw that there was a need out there. How did you know, though, that you were called to the ministry in this capacity as pastors, as opposed to just being saved folks that's helping people kind of get into their positions? How did you know that this was it and distinguishing between just being saved and, no, we're called to pastor in this leadership capacity? I think really for me, if I can be honest, I never wanted to be a pastor. That wasn't in my whole line of this is what I want to do with my life. That's the last thing I thought about. But then God began to deal with me about, hey, there's something in you that I need you to help unlock other people get to where they need to be. And so what happened was when God began to talk to me about, I want you to do this, what I began to see is when I said yes, certain things just began to change in my scope of looking at things a certain way, my viewing things begin to change. What began to happen is my grace to be where I was lifted. And people may think of grace, they may not understand what it is, but my level of irritation began to rise. <laughs> where I was, you know, things that have been happening for decades and has always happened. Now it's beginning to irritate me. And that's what I realized. The grace to be here has lifted. I think that the thing for Skip was saying for me, I'm going to say for me, I think overall, yeah. we saw a need. And there's something about when you see needs in people's lives, there's just something in you that says, hey, I can fix that. I can meet that need in your life. And I think that that's where we were. We got to a place where we started seeing that there were more people in churches and in the body of Christ or in Christendom that were just frustrated. They didn't really know why they were frustrated, but they were just frustrated. And then if you get to talk to them, you find that a lot of them were not really walking out their purpose. And so one of the things that we wanted to do was to help people discover their purpose. And at the same time, meet the needs of humanity. And hopefully what the purpose was for most of the people that were coming across our path 
was to meet some of the needs of those in humanity. And so our desire was to get people trained, get them out there so that they could help other people. Wow, that's awesome. Now, it also sounds like a pretty substantial responsibility helping to unlock and unleash what's in people, helping lead them in the direction where they can live their fullest lives. And it doesn't happen in a vacuum. You two are spouses one to another, your parents. So how do you navigate and balance the unlocking and unleashing of people into their destiny at the same time being able to maintain a solid, loving, fat marriage and parents to kids? And is there such thing as balance or is just you just do the best you can with that? Or are you past the spouse and past the mama, past the daddy? How do you do that? I think it's a fallacy to think that you can ever bring balance. I think that we need to maybe replace that word with harmony. Okay. Okay. Because I don't know that you can ever bring balance to anything. Because when you think about balance, you know, the scales are balanced. Everything weighs equally. And every day brings something different. The needs are different every day. And so there's some days where I have to be, and we're also grandparents. Some days I have to be a grandparent and that will take precedence over me being a pastor. But one thing that we have never done is we've never taken off our pastor hat and put on our mom and dad hat. We've always kept all of our hats on at the same time. And depending on what the need was, then that essence is what we release from our life versus just saying, okay, wait, wait, hold on. Let me go get my pastor hat. And then I put that on and wait, I got to take that one off and go, this is not like a Superman, Clark Kent to Superman kind of a deal. This is all of us. This is who we are. And so it's not us taking somebody off. This is the totality of who we are. And when we show up, whether we show up as grandparents, parents, pastors, husband, wife, you know, well, in some places we show up differently (laughs) than husband and wife, but you understand what I'm saying. Uh There is no balance, but there is absolutely harmony. It's bringing everything that we're called to do together and making it harmonize. Gotcha. Gotcha. Actually, you want to share on that too, Pastor Skip? Yeah, I think to say all that harmony is definitely the word because for me, I look at balance isn't always 50-50. Balance is sometimes 10-90, 70-30, 60-40, 80-20. Sometimes you got to be a bunch of things. The Bible says we got to be all things to all men so that we may win a few. And like Melva said, everything we do is all of who we are. And so that's the main thing for me is like, okay, show up. And when you show up, you'll figure out what you need to be when you get there. Right. What is the need around you? Right. Be whatever it is that you need to be to those that are around you. So, yeah. All right. Y'all got like a chameleon kind of existence. Whatever you need me to be, I got you. I got to watch it. I got chains. Whatever you need, need, I got you. Hey, we are now in like this information age as well as an age of convenience where people would prefer kind of to press the easy button and in general kind of keep it moving. How have you two been able to help WOC stay relevant in this day and time, particularly coupled with this move to streaming and online stuff in the wake of the pandemic, when folks kind of didn't really need a lot of excuse to miss church in the first place, now they can super get their pillow ministry on from the crib. You know what I'm saying? I've come to a, a new revelation of the pillow ministry, if I do say so myself. 
Coming in the Nova, leaving in the Hyundai Sonata. Rita, my bow tie and my necktie. Mama say, Mama sa, Mama kusa. <laughs> so, so how have you guys helped keep the ministry afloat and going and even thriving during this time where folks have kind of been falling off and, hey, I got other things to do and distractions and things like that. How have you been able to kind of maneuver that situation? I think one of the things we did was the Lord had told me maybe two or three years before the pandemic, I want you to go ahead and start streaming. Mm. We started streaming before it was the popular thing to do. Ah. But when this pandemic hit, we were already ahead of the game. Yeah, we were ahead of the game. And we had converted everybody over to digital giving, all that kind of stuff. So people being at home didn't affect us because we were already prepared for this. And so what it allowed us to do is I told Melba, I said, literally what God has done is he did what he did in Acts, or not in Acts, at the Tower of Babel. It's like he dispersed everybody. The church literally has left the building. Uh And so with that being understood, you either stay the way you are and think, well, they're going to come back, or you change and evolve into where people are and where the trend is going to stay relevant. And that's what's been really, for us, we've always, I've always prayed, Lord, help us to stay cutting edge, to be ready for what's going to happen so that we'll be in front of what happens versus what's happening is happening to us. Yeah. And Tim, I think that something that this shift didn't just, honestly, it didn't just happen with the pandemic. People had started migrating out of the church long before the pandemic. And what you find for a lot of people, what the pandemic did, it just heightened the fact that people were already migrating out of the church. Culture shifted. There were more people that were leaving the church than we have ever seen in the history of the church. And so you have to make some adjustments because a lot of times what you find is that churches are built to last, but they're not built to change. Uh. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. That was a whole word. Churches, say, say that again, Pastor Bell. Churches are built to last, but they're not built to change. And you have to be built to change if you want to be a sustainable ministry or have sustainable ministry. And so we have had to make many, many pivots in the 15 years that we've been in existence. And so our pivoting didn't just start with the pandemic. We were pivoting when we started noticing the decline in the millennials leaving the church and just this lack of interest in a lot of people, people unplugging from the church. We started going what they're now calling digital back in, and that's having a physical presence in the building and then having a digital presence. So we've been doing it for a while. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Let me just ask a little bit more about those last little pieces about millennials and folks kind of, I don't know, falling away or choosing alternatives to traditional church that some of us old school folks kind of knew about. How do you determine whether, okay, these are some of the demands that we're hearing from individuals or we're seeing or people say that people vote with their feet. You know, if they're gone, then that means something has to change versus the vision. Well, God gave us to do it this way, but we see it's disaffecting some people. Do we get swayed by the demands of the people or do we hold true to what God has told us in that built to last versus built to change peace? How do you bifurcate those two? I love that word. Yeah, you 
word, Tim, and he's been using it ever since. I think that the deal is this, is that vision is vision. And when God gives you a vision, the vision doesn't change, but how we implement the vision can absolutely change. And I don't think that the millennials and the Gen Zs and this generation, I don't think that they're necessarily looking for us to change our vision. I think that they're looking for us to change our application of vision, how we're reaching the masses and what our focus is. I think that that's what they're interested in. They're looking at what's going on in society and they're saying, hey, church, come out from behind the four walls, recognize what's going on in society and equip us to be able to do what it is that we are looking to do. And so I don't think that it's really a challenge or a shifting with the vision in and of itself. I think it's more about the application, the systems by which we're executing the vision. I think that that's what's being challenged today. I think about even the gospel. When it first came out, it was on these tablets. The scriptures was on these tablets. Then we evolved into having cassettes or reel-to-reels. Then it went to cassettes. Then it went to DVDs. Then it went to thumb drives. And now the gospel is on your phone. The gospel is on your iPad. It's on your computer. So the gospel didn't change. It's just how it got to you changed. And that's what we have to look at. Where people are, how do we get the gospel to where they are versus expecting them to come to where we are to get it? Right. And you have to be okay with people challenging the way that you do what you do. Our motto is, is that the vision cannot be change. You can't challenge the vision, but you absolutely can challenge the processes by which we're implementing the vision. And so I just think that that's been the deal. People are saying, we just don't want all of the religious stuff that you all were giving us and have been giving us for the last hundred years or however many years. I think that they're just looking for genuine, authentic life change. They love the Lord. They're just looking to get away from all of the religion and the jargon and all of that. So, Rituals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the communication then of the gospel is what has evolved, not so much the message or its veracity and truth and integrity. It still is intact. It's how it gets communicated that has really, really changed. And so that sounds then like when Scripture says to go ye into all the world, you know, making the disciples of nations, the church has kind of been forced to do more of that. As that has happened, have you seen a correlative growth in the appetite for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry or even with the evolution of these expanded uh, communicative means to get the gospel out, that there's still an expectation that the pastors do everything? For example, when we had the George Floyd killing in that aftermath, you know, a lot of people were looking, particularly in the black community, was looking to, quote-unquote, the church, hey, can you come and speak out against this injustice, et cetera. And we all know that the civil rights movement, a lot of it started with the church. Dr. King and others were the tip of the spear to that movement and have long time been looked to as an anchor to get that going. But as pastors, did you feel a burden of, hey, we are to equip the saints. Y'all supposed to be in lockstep doing the work of the ministry, we're supposed to give guidance, maybe stand alongside you, but we're not supposed to do all of the work. You're supposed to do some of the work too as the body of Christ. Definitely. It's so important that we as the body of Christ, everybody has skin in this game. Okay. We don't look at one person to be the heavy lifter when nobody has to be a heavy lifter if everybody's lifting. 
Mm-hmm. And so what we understood was in order for us to do what we need to do more effectively, we need more numbers doing it. And so that was what was important to us that I told my wife, I said, listen, this church ain't going to kill me. <laughs> and what do you mean by that? You mean by people coming in, throwing rocks at you from the audience? Or what do you mean by that? I'm not going to be the usher, the greeter, the pastor, the worship leader, the superintendent, the janitor, the grass cutting guy. I'm not going to be a Jamaican in the state. And the doer of all the work. Right. When we have a bunch of people that if you just ask, they'll tell you, hey, listen, I have a passion for that. And I also have skills in that area. Would you be willing to let me do it? And so what I've learned is to look around and see what assets are in the house and say, okay, with these assets we have in the house, this is what we can accomplish. So we've learned to just take advantage of, allow people to use their skills, talents, and abilities to help further the cause or the king and his kingdom. I think, and then going back to your question about the social uprising, I think that what I discovered, the millennials and the Gen Zs, they just wanted to know that we care. They wanted to know that we had our fingers. Do you see what's going on? That was the question that was posed to us consistently. Do you see what's going on? And I think that whenever you are in leadership at the level of leadership that we're at, people have always looked to you for wisdom and direction. So what do we do when we have these life situations? You've been telling me how to raise my kids, how to be married. Now tell me how to deal with this racial situation. Tell me how to deal with this social injustice. And when the church is silent, that's problematic for this generation. They are very deeply concerned about social justice and want to know that their leaders are equally concerned about it. And so I think that, yes, there were some that had an expectation that we would be out there protesting every day. And and we shall overcome. And that's just not what we did. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, we did, though. We did. But we didn't do it. You were saying every day. We just weren't doing it. We weren't there every day. But we did make our presence known. We did make it known how when social injustice is raising its ugly head, that we are absolutely standing with those that are going to go after that to bring that down. Any kind of systemic racism and any of those things, we are opposed to it. And so we did make our voice known in it. Maybe not to the degree that some would have wanted, but we did. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's awesome. It's good to know that you did have your finger on the pulse. And I remember a couple of different events, seeing you all out, different coverage and things like that. And having that voice, because when the gospel or the kingdom's perspective is not given, then there's a vacuum there that can be filled by other voices. And so that's very, very important. Now, as you are leading people, improving the lives of folks, laboring in the spirit and praying for folks and going to the hospital and doing funerals when they have dear loved ones that have passed and all this pouring in, how do you bounce back from haterade and or those that you've poured into that many people don't even know all of what you did to undergird folks and they turn their back or betray you? How do you maintain your equilibrium of communication in those instances? Or has that never happened to y'all and y'all years of pastor? <laughs> <laughs> What we've always said is you got to stay consistent in whatever you're going to do. 
And so that means that behind the scenes, I got to go cry. I got to go scream, holler, be mad, all that behind the scenes. I never want anybody else to affect how I'm going to act in front of people. And so that's when I really go to my quiet place and just be vulnerable before God, before my family who can take it and, you know, have a discussion there, but also just going to God say, I need to be healed in this area because that old nature wants to rise up and lay hands on people. <laughs> God, you said you are a constrainer. Right. So keep me from knocking this jugger out. You have no idea how much I want to introduce them to the five-fold ministry <laughs> with the laying on of hands and buffeting their bodies repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Right. But there's a constraining of your heart because as much as your flesh wants to act out, your heart always wants to please God. Mm. And so when you allow your heart to lead you versus your flesh to lead you, Yes, you may look weak. You may look like an idiot in front of people, but God is seeing the strength in you because his strength is made perfect in those weak times. I think we also realize that hurt people hurt people and that really sometimes people lashing out at you, it's really just them crying out for help themselves. And so then there's a little bit of empathy with people because you recognize if you were okay, you probably wouldn't be doing and saying some of the things that you're doing. And so for me personally, I've really leaned more on the empathetic side than sometimes I probably should. But I realized that if people really understood what they were doing, I don't believe that anybody with a good heart would do some of the things that they do. And so you learn to bounce back quickly. Anybody that's in a public position, you're going to be scrutinized. You're going to be talked about. So you can't get enamored or overwhelmed by their praise and you absolutely cannot get overwhelmed by their criticism. And so you just keep a level head knowing that some things are going to come. It's just a part of the thing called leadership. When you're in leadership, it just comes with this position. And so it's going to be okay. You cry, you get up, you brush yourself off, and then you keep going. Uh Because the call and the purpose that you're here is bigger than the pain sometimes that you have to endure while you're here. And if I could add to that, I think one of the most dangerous things you can do as a leader is turn into this Teflon Don and this Iron Man. And when things are happening to you and you've gotten this hard exterior and you turn around and stop doing things from your heart and you do things from your safe, your place of safety. Yeah, and you just, it's automatic pilot. You just know what you're doing, but your heart is not engaged. It's not engaging because it's your safety place from not being hurt again. So you find yourself just having this, I don't care attitude, which means you've gotten to a place where you've been damaged You've been hurt. And this is my protection. This is my shield from all of that. And you find yourself not giving to people that haven't hurt you because of people who have hurt you. Right. And the place that you end up using to protect yourself becomes your prison. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's deep. So you don't want to become calloused because it shuts off the spigot of life that flows from you or should be emanating from you as a leader or pastor. That's what we was trying to say. (laughs) That's what we meant. The communication guru. Communication. I'm guruing. I'm guruing. (laughs) Hey, you guys also have a number of great projects as well. I mean, you're multi-talented, multi-faceted. 
Pastor Melvin, you've authored a number of books and book series, ghost written for folks as well. You recently recorded a Dove, Stella, and Grammy Award-winning album and birthed a major women's conference called Women in Worship. And Pastor Skip, you have your faith-based talk show into its course, and you also have a pretty spectacular men's conference, Keeping It 100 Men's Conference. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about those endeavors and what your aim is in communicating to those specific audiences that you have these projects geared toward? You can go first because yours is amazing. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier about how we communicate the gospel. Mm -hmm. These are just the systems, some of the systems by which we are fulfilling our mission to get people into their purpose. And so women in worship, the music, the books, all of it, they're just some of the tools that we're using to accomplish our mission to get people's life and their faith developed, to get them into their purpose. And so talking about women in worship in 2007, I started hosting a women's gathering called Women in Worship, where I thought 100 women were going to show up. We had over 200 women show up. And every year from 2007 to this year, we've seen thousands of women, um, their lives are changed. We say when a woman changes, everything changes when a woman changes. And so- Glory be to God. Yeah, yeah. And so our mission is to get our hands in the lives of women and to empower them to be the best version of them that they can be. And our books translate that, not just for women, but for men and women. My books translate that. My music now is translating the same thing. And so everything that we're doing is to move and advance people's lives forward. Yeah, and for me, everything I'm doing is an extension of what's in my heart. I didn't say, oh, that would look like something good to do and go out there and do it. What I'm doing is overflow of what my heart has always desired to do. Same thing with this podcast. And so my desire with the Keeping 100 Men's Conference was a few things. One, it was to help men settle their yesterdays so they can be better now and greater later. And so that meant, what are we dealing with? What issues are we dealing with, fellas, that we got to deal with? And so what I did was I brought in motivational speakers. I brought in business gurus. I brought in communication gurus. Come on now. I brought in all these different men that could help inspire men and help them get past their hurdles or their game stoppages to help them be strong finishers. And so that was part of it. And then my Intuist Courts podcast, that was a result of my love for basketball and sports and my love for God. And God just allowed me to have a way of of marriaging those together. And it's just been fun seeing people who normally weren't sports fans now becoming sports fans because of, okay, now I get that when you relate it to the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's just been fun. Just, I think my greatest joy is, there's two. One is when the light comes on in people. That inspires me when I see the light come on in people. But then the other time is when you give people the answers and they actually apply them to their lives and they get the results that they were looking for from the answers. And so those are the biggest things that inspire us to do what we do for me is those two things. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, as I said, I don't want to monopolize all your time because I know you probably have a very, very busy schedule just knowing how y'all roll. Your insights, your wisdom has really been a blessing to me and I'm sure the listeners. Do you have any parting words that you want to leave with our listeners as we close out today's episode? I do, but they don't have anything to do with what we've been talking about. I just want to say this. 
that Tim McMurtry is one of the smartest men. In fact, someone asked me, who is the smartest person you know? And I said, Tim McMurtry. Wow. The wisdom that comes out of you is phenomenal. And you make all of us feel like we can be great. Mm. And so just thank you for being the communication guru. You don't just grab those words. That's not just a tag phrase for you. That's the real deal. You are the GOAT when it comes to <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> thank you so much for such a magnanimous compliment. I mean that. I mean it. I mean it. And I just, we value you. Thank you. Yeah. And if I could add to it, I think also who you are is genuine. It's not, I'm just trying to put this on to make a buck. This is an overflow of your heart and who you are. You've always been whoever you've been down with, you've been fully down, four flat tires worth it. Amen. And so I can appreciate your genuineness your transparency and your willingness to go, this is my niche and I'm going to take this niche and help other people be better. Yeah. You know, Tim McMurtry is that dude. fresh. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I love it. I love it because can't nobody beat you being you like you. <laughs> See there, y'all? Can't nobody do you like Jesus and can't nobody do you like Tim McMurtry. Hey, thanks again for such magnanimous compliments and praise. I really, really do appreciate it. And coming from you all, who are, like I said, class acts, it really does mean a lot. And I try to be 100% genuine with everybody that I deal with and bring my full supply as well. So thank you so much for this. I've had to bronze this, put it in print. And <laughs> audio visual, that was great. Thanks again for coming out, and thanks so much for such a wonderful, wonderful compliment. I really appreciate it. Got to keep my eyes from sweating. Just one last question for you before we go ahead and close out today's episode: What legacy? Obviously, you guys are leaders of the highest tier, A one, top shelf of the highest class. What legacy of leadership would you like to leave as you're doing what you do in your daily lives? that I think that they genuinely cared, that they genuinely cared and that they were givers, that they emptied themselves out. They were givers. They genuinely cared. And so they gave. And I think that that more than anything else, and I mean, from my children to our ministry, the people that we're afforded the opportunity to speak into their lives, that they care, and they were giving. Me, I think, taking this verse from Anita Baker, giving you the best that I got. Yeah. I think that's what's most important to me, that, yeah, I gave, but I didn't just give you my leftovers. I didn't just give you what I didn't care nothing about. I gave you my best. Yeah. Because that's what God did for us. He gave us the best. And if that was what was given to me, then what I had to give you has to be the best. Yeah. Because I'm giving it back out. Well, <laughs> well, since they done dropped the mic, I guess we're going to have to end the show right there. <laughs> Thanks so much, you all, for coming out today and sharing. I appreciate the gems that you all dropped and just giving your best on today. And to the listeners, thank you so much for listening today. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to the Communication Guru podcast. Also be on the lookout for the Morning Tempspiration vlog, which are inspirational words that you can find on Facebook 
LinkedIn, and the Gram or Instagram. And finally, if you have a communication issue that you need assistance with, be it personal, organizational, relational, ministry-wise, business-wise, or otherwise, and would like a free 20 to 30-minute consultation or discovery call, feel free to reach out to me at tim at timmcmurtryinternational.com. Again, tim at timmcmurtryinternational.com with a brief description of your issue, and we will do what we can to help you get over the hump. With that, my friends, thanks so much again. Until next time, blessing and increase to you. Adios. Bye, y'all.